Welcome to the Lifehouse Church Podcast. Lifehouse is a church that exists to invite all people to live an uncommon life by following Jesus, doing life together, getting in the game, and leaving a legacy. We hope that today's message helps you grow as a follower of Jesus, gives you perspective to see yourself and others differently, and inspires you to make a difference in the world around you. Now, let's get to this week's message. All right, well, hey, are you guys ready to dive into God's Word today? Would you stand up with me? Okay, I don't know who that kid was, but you're my favorite. You are my favorite kid in the whole church, and that is, you're, you're, you're even more favorite than my children. So I just want to say, I just love you, whoever you are. Was that my kid? Oh, I see, I see, I see. <laughs> my man. You're, I'm not supposed to have favorites, but you're my favorite. Dallas Ware. Give it up for Dallas Ware. Come on, everybody. Give it up for Dallas Ware. We're going to dive into God's word today, and um, we're, we're going to pray. Do you guys have that prayer? Um, you know, just really always feel every time we dive into God's word, it's a holy moment. It has the power to change your life. I know you're distracted. I know you got a whole lot going on, but I just pray that we would lock in for the next 30 to 90 minutes. I'm just kidding. 30 minutes, and we would just focus on what God has for us here today. I just want to, you know, preaching is a spiritual battle. As I preach, I can feel it. I can feel the spiritual warfare. Like, I can feel your worry. I can feel your stress. I can feel your distractions. I can feel it. And that's why, I'm, you know, you know, that's why we have our prayer team praying. That, that, that's why we have people praying, because there is warfare going on right now. There are things that God wants to say. There's things that the Holy Spirit, I won't even say today, but the Holy Spirit wants to say to you today. That you will only hear if you're focused and locked in. There's so many things pulling at you for your attention and time. So we're, so we're just going to pray. If you would lift, lift up hands, the prayer will be on the screen behind me. As I start, if you would join in with me. Ready? Father, thank you for your love. Jesus, thank you for showing us the way and making a way for us to be in relationship with God. Spirit, you are here and you are willing to speak, change, convict, guide, reveal, and comfort. Have your way as we hear your word today. And everyone said, amen. Give someone a high five and you can have a seat. You know, I, I think it's really important that we, that, that we understand that we can be very unaware, we can become aware and unconscious of something or someone that is consistently consistent. Where when something is always provided, when something is always there, we can become unaware of it because it's, I mean, how many of you thank God for air? <laughs> like, how many of us, like, thank God for the air we breathe? How many of us, and many times we don't thank God for it because we always have it. Right? And, and, and it's like, so we can many times become unaware or unconscious of things that are consistent. And what that can breed is that it can breed a almost lack of reverence for, a lack of respect for. And I just felt that as we've been going through this series, Jesus and, where we've been looking at Jesus as an example. So we've been saying he's Lord, he's King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, there's no one like him. He's our Savior. He's saved because of his death on the cross, his perfect life, his resurrection from the dead, defeating our three greatest enemies, Satan, sin, and death. That like Jesus is our savior. He's not just a get out of hell free card. He's not a genie that we rub the right way. He, he is our Lord and savior. But we've been looking at them in this series as our example. 
looking at, looking at the humanity of Jesus, looking at the rhythms of Jesus, looking at, at the, maybe the details of Jesus' life that maybe in your life and church experience you had never noticed. But what I really felt the Holy Spirit say is, John, you need to remind them of the lordship and kingship and bigness of Jesus. That we don't lose as we're looking at him being example, we don't lose his bigness. We don't lose his rulership. We don't lose the fact that angels in heaven cry, holy, holy, holy is the Lord. That we become reverent of that. Because I think in, in our typical church, we can lose that because it's always there. And so I wanna re, I, I'm, I'm going to do a preaching like no-no. I'm, I'm going to do a couple, a couple preaching. Like what I feel like I was taught in preaching is you shouldn't read more than three verses in a row because people are going to get tired or bored or fall asleep, and especially in our context where you have a comfortable chair, lights are out, I can't see nothing, so I can't call you out for sleeping. But I just, I want to read you a portion of scripture from the book of Colossians chapter 1 that Paul wrote to a church he planted to remind them just of the magnitude of Jesus. So this is like 10 verses, and this is the message version, so it's said in a very contemporary way. And now I'm just going to trust that the Holy Spirit, as I read the word, that he would speak to you and he'd remind you of who Jesus is. This is what it says. It says, we look at this son, Jesus, and see the God who cannot be seen. We look at this son and see God's original purpose in everything he created. For everything, absolutely everything, above and below, visible and invisible, rank after rank and rank of angels, everything got started in him and finds its purpose in him. He was there before any of it came into existence and holds it all together right up to this moment. And when it comes to the church, he organizes and holds it together like a head does a body. He was supreme in the beginning and leading the resurrection parade. He is supreme in the end. From beginning to end, he's there, towering far above everything, everyone. So spacious is he, so expansive that everything of God finds its proper place in him without crowding. Not only that, but all the broken and dislocated pieces of the universe, people and things, animals and atoms, get properly fixed and fit together in vibrant harmonies, all because of his death, his blood that poured down from the cross. You yourselves are a case study of what he does. At one time, you all had your backs turned to God, thinking rebellious thoughts of him, giving him trouble every chance he got. But now, by giving himself completely at the cross, actually dying for you, Christ brought you over to God's side and put your lives together, whole and holy, in his presence. You don't walk away from a gift like that. You stay what? You stay what? Grounded and steady in that bond of trust, constantly tuned into the message, careful not to be distracted or diverted. There is no other message, just this one. Every creature under heaven gets the same message, and I, Paul, am a messenger of this message. Wasn't that good? We need to be reminded of the bigness of Jesus, that as we go into this series, we realize that Jesus is the head of the church. He is the head of our lives. And as we go throughout life and he is consistently faithful and good, we can't lose the fact that, that, that he's the one that holds it all together. 
But we have been in this series where we're talking about Jesus and, and a couple weeks ago I started about Jesus and community. We're, we're looking at, as we're going into a season of community in our church, I talked to us about the, the idea that Jesus is community. Jesus showed us what true, what true and logical and persistent and practical community looks like. And I want to continue that today because one of the main ways we do community at our church, right? You can have a vision, but then you need a vehicle, right? You can have a vision, but then you need a vehicle. So you can have, this is what we want to see happen, but then what is the way that we're going to see that happen? The way that we wanted, one of the ways, one of the main ways we do community at our church is through our life groups, our smaller groups. I love what Stanley says, Andy Stanley. He says, it's the primary activity of the church. Can you go to the second one, please? He says this, when everyone is sitting in rows, you can't do any one another's. Right, so one of the main calls as followers of Jesus, and what we see 60 commands repeated in scripture is to fill in the blank, one another. And there could be many. It could be love. It could be give grace to one another, bear one another's burdens. There are things that we do that we are called to do as the church that we cannot do unless we are in community with others. Because here's the thing, church is primarily awesome without people. It's easier without people. Following Jesus is easier when you don't have anyone around you to mess it up. It's it's true. And what we find is Jesus could have done this. He could have just said, I'm here to do my Father's will. I need no help. I don't need to be in life with with no one. I got this. But Jesus came down and he modeled what it meant to not just do the Father's will, but do his Father's will in community with others. And it's so easy as church to think us being in rows, hearing God's word, is community. It's a part of community, but it's not the whole part of community. Even as we said, in the very early church, they got together in the temple, the larger gatherings to hear God's word, but they also got together in homes. Can we, can we, uh, can we put that up? Acts chapter 2, please. Verse number 46. It says, they worship, and let's talk about the very early church. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared meals with great joy and generosity. Y'all, this is at the most simplest form what the church does. We gather Gather together to worship, to sing, to be reminded, to hear God's word preached, to do communion together. But then that is, this is, unfortunately, for most Sunday morning American United States Christians, that is where it ends. Is I did a service, I'm good. I said my highs, I said my, I'm just trying to be like you, bro. I said my, great to see you. I said my, how are yous? And we get one inch, one inch deep in community. And unfortunately, this is the way many church experiences happen. And this, that can be a good start. I know some of you, you might be new to Life House, so you're just getting to know us, so you're just in on a Sunday and checking us out, and, 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 and that can be a good step. But I just want to encourage you that as you get to you hear the Holy Spirit say, do you want John, or hear whoever you are say, hey, this is where I'm called to get plugged in. This is where I'm called to you know, be committed to a local body of believers then I believe a next step for you is to then say, what is the next step to actually not just be in 
rows, but to get in a circle. And be in a circle with other people. Because in the circle, in the smaller groups, in the actual getting to know people is where the one another's of scripture actually get to happen. One another, 60 times in scripture, 60 times we hear Jesus and the apostles saying, one another. I love what Stanley says. He says it's the primary activity of the church was one anothering one another. <laughs> the primary activity of the church was one anothering one another. Basically saying faith and deeds, not, not just faith. Repeatedly in scripture, we, like, we see like, especially James, he's like faith is not just what you believe, even the devil believes in God. Just think, if all our faith was was belief, Satan would be saved. Some of y'all are like, oh, never thought about that. That's why our faith has to go beyond theology. That's why our faith has got to go beyond a systematic, like, Jesus died on the cross, and you know that here, but it's not worked out practically in your life with one another's. So that's where we get the blessing and the burden of the church family. Where we get the joy to work out one another's. Like I said, there's 61 another's. And I am going to do you a favor today and break another preaching rule. I'm going to read to you all 60. Because honestly, y'all hear me talk a lot. If you come to Sundays, you hear me talk, and I just believe the Lord was saying, John, you need to hear, they need to hear my word talk today. You need to hear my word talk today. So know that what I'm going to read, you'll hear my voice, but I pray you hear the voice of God. I pray you hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. Don't forget the Holy Spirit wrote the Bible. So every time you open your word, you aren't just reading words from a human, you're reading words written through humans by the power of the Holy Spirit, who is God. So we're going to give the Holy Spirit some room to speak today through his word. Y'all ready? Do I see any of y'all sleeping out there? No? You sleeping? No, I'm, just, I'm, just, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. All right. Ready? Here we, here we go. Be at peace with each other. Wash one another's feet. And here comes, love one another. Love one another. Love one. And I'm not stuttering. Love one another. Love one another. Love one another. Right? Look, multiple times. Next. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourselves. Live in harmony with one another. Love one another. Stop passing judgment on one another. Accept one another then just as Christ accepted you. Instruct one another. Greet one another with a holy kiss. Now some of y'all, some of y'all like, I just found my church pickup line. Some of y'all are like, hey, girl. Hey, I'm just want to obey the Bible. Scripture says to greet each other with a holy kiss. You down? <laughs> when you come together to eat, wait for each other. Have equal concern for each other. Greet one another with a holy kiss. Greet one another with a holy kiss. Maybe this needs to be the new greeting pattern we have in our church. Um, serve one another in love. If you keep on biting and devouring each other, you will be destroyed by each other. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. Carry each other's burdens. 
Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other. Speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Are you all hearing a theme here? In humility, consider others better than yourselves. Do not lie to each other. Bear with each other. Forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Teach one another. Admonish one another. Make your love increase and overflow for each other. Love each other. Encourage each other. Encourage each other. Build each other up. Encourage one another. Spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Encourage one another. That word encourage, you know how many times that is? Do not slander one another. Don't grumble against each other. Confess your sins to each other. Pray for each other. Love one another deeply from the heart. Live in harmony with each other. Love each other deeply. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each one should use whatever gift they have received. He has received to serve others. Clothe yourself with humility toward one another. Greet one another with a kiss of love. Love one another. 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 Y'all feel the power of that? I mean, I can feel the spirit of God in the room right now. And I mean, y'all, this is, the place we do this is in community. But not just in community, y'all, like this is our call as followers of Jesus. That's why the main call with Jesus is not about what you accomplish, it's who you are becoming. Jesus said, blessed are those who are, not blessed are those who have. Jesus was defining blessed as being the kind of person you are becoming more than the blessing being defined by what you have. When Jesus quoted that, he was literally quoting a new interpretation of Scripture. Because in the, in the Old Testament, blessing was always defined by outward material things. That's why you see Abraham and King David and Solomon. They had a lot of stuff. They had wealth. And that was to show the world this is what this God does. But Jesus was saying, that was old, this is now. Blessed isn't what you have, blessed is who you're becoming. And blessed in who we are becoming is found in how we handle, how we do these one another's. I pray you feel the weight of that. I pray you feel the weight of following Jesus isn't just a cerebral understanding. It is not just a cognitive thing. It is not just a belief system. It must be carried out in our one another's believing a statement can be easy following through on what the implications of that statement are can be a whole other thing and that's just what the implications are so how, what is the vehicle we try to do this in in our church we we call them life groups here's the thing y'all we, we have multiple ways for you to get into community we know we have different lives and circumstances so some of you are are on teams some of you kind of are on smaller groups with people some of you will kind of have individual relationships with others. We're not trying to say you have to do it this way, but one of the vehicles we offer are life groups. And I just believe that it's so important for all of us that as we primarily prioritize our gathering together as the church, let's not forget that we're also called to not just be in rows, but also be in circles with others. Jesus modeled this. If anyone, <laughs> you know, it's, it's like I've said this before. Jesus didn't do what Jesus did because he was Jesus. Jesus did what Jesus did because he was filled with the power of the Holy Spirit and he cultivated a rhythm of life and habits and practices to help him become a certain kind of person. Jesus shows us what is possible. 
Jesus shows us loving others is possible. Jesus shows us dying for people who are cursing you on the cross is possible. Jesus shows us that we can forgive others who betray us. Jesus shows us that is possible. But what I want to talk to you about today briefly is the implications of what this community looks like and some things that Jesus did to model to us how he embodied what true community looks like. What I want you to do is I want you to take these and apply these to any form of community in your life, marriage, with your kids, at your job, but especially these are going to be some things that are going to frame our groups as a church, things that they're going to be marked by. A couple things that Jesus models. Number one, everyone say number one. Number one, Jesus was vulnerable. Jesus was vulnerable. And I think any environment you are in, if you're going to build community in a church, a relationship, a marriage, a job, there has to be an appropriate level of vulnerability. Vulnerability is getting behind the curtain to see who you really are and what is really going on. Let's just be candid. The church can be a great place to be fake. How you doing? Blessed and highly favored, brother. Head and not the tail, before and not beneath. I'm blessed. You know, like, it can be an easy place for us to do that. And you can do that on Sundays. How you doing? I'm blessed, brother. Colin, how's it going to work, man? Great, bro. Awesome. Cool, bro. Talk, talk to you later. You know, like, it's, 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 it's quick, but this can happen whenever we get in groups, whenever a group leader asks, how, how are y'all doing? There's some space and there's some margin for you to actually open up and share how you really are, how things are really, how you are really going. And what I love about Jesus and what we struggle with as people, and this can be contributed by many factors, but we can have a struggle and problem with being vulnerable. Because many of you, your vulnerability has been used against you. And I just want to encourage couples here that, and one of the things that I encourage every couple that I do coaching with, marriage coaching with, is that during this time that we're going to walk through things, because there are many couples struggling, hurting, they're, they're walking through things, and we get the, the opportunity to love them and serve, serve them in, in this, is that I tell them, during this session, you will, have, you will learn new things about your spouse, and your spouse will learn new things about you, and you will become vulnerable, and you will have two things to do with that vulnerability. You can use it as a weapon, or you can use it as an opportunity to know how to love them better. That is what vulnerability does. Vulnerability, you can feel vulnerable when you're being vulnerable because it opens you up to being susceptible to being hurt. But it also opens you up to the ability to actually receiving love. And it's scary. It can be a scary thing. And so couples, husbands, wives, as you are learning your wife or is learning your spouse and you are growing in knowledge of them, ensure that the knowledge they share, the vulnerable things they share, you don't use as things like you always do. You always say. We see the vulnerability as a way to love and serve instead of as a weapon to stab them with in the future. Jesus shows us this, and I love it because y'all, Jesus, Jesus, he's Jesus. And, and one of the things Jesus says, before Jesus went to the cross, he, there's this verse in Matthew that is just so powerful. It says, then Jesus went with them, and he's talking about the disciples. Jesus went with them to the olive grove called Gethsemane. And he said, sit here while I go over there to pray. He took Peter and Zebedee's two sons, James and John, and he became anguished and what? 
distressed. Anguish and distressed. He told them, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Then he said, stay here and keep watch with me. You know what? Jesus asked for help. He was at a point in his life about to go to the cross, about to walk through, and he said to his friends, will you stay with me and keep watch with me? I wonder how many people in here, you are silently suffering. You are about to be in a cross or walk through a cross, and you are at a point where you are suffering, and you will not do the step that Jesus did and ask friends to keep watch with you. And I just feel like, y'all, this, this is such a powerful point. One of the opportunities we have to do in our group is to have, in, in our groups is to have people keep watch with you. Because, y'all, life is heavy. And here is what Scripture tells us to do in Galatians 6. He says this. Carry each other's burdens. So let's just be honest. There are burdens that we have to, there, there are burdens that we're going to have that are burdens. That like, we need someone to help us carry. But then too, in that same chapter, he says, for each one should carry their own load. And I think we have to know that there's a difference between a load and a burden. That because it's like what I think some people want to do is they want to take their load and make it be someone else's burden. And that's where group dynamics can kind of become tricky, where if you have somebody that comes in and wants to dominate a group and, and make their stuff about the whole group, then that's where, the, you know, it's like, but, but then sometimes the most loving thing we can say is like, hey, you know what, there's some things you have to do, because you keep coming in here and sharing about a problem you have and problems with this person, that person, that job, and that job, and this job, and that job, the common denominator in all those problems is you. Wherever you go, there you are. Right? And, and, and so we have to, um, like, we have to carry our load. There's a load that life has. Like, and I could say what some of those loads are. Like, you know, get a job. Try to pay your own bills. In this economy, it's hard. <laughs> pay your own bills. And, you know, like, like you know, your joy is your job. You know, like, like there, there are things that, that, that we do to make us not, like, self-sufficient and a human that God has given us, the, the, like, the, the blessing and freedom to be a part of. But then there are seasons where you have burdens, y'all. You have something that died, a dream, a person, a, a, a job. Get in the good grief group. Because grief can be a burden. Many of you are grieving things you don't even know. You're wondering why your body's reacting in a certain way. If you would go back and actually connect the dots, you would see so much loss. And so that's why I say, even discovering what that burden is, you might need to go back, like, what have I experienced? But, you know, and, but there, there's a difference between a load and a burden, and Jesus shows us. Jesus could, could carry the load, but even Jesus had a burden. And Jesus said, James and John and Peter, I need you to help me carry this. So why are we so afraid to do the same? The second thought is this that we see about Jesus building community. Jesus asked more questions than he gave answers. Some of you are like, really? Yeah. Martin Koppenhaver, uh, he actually wrote 
a book about Jesus and questions. He notes this. Jesus prefers to ask questions rather than to provide direct answers. Jesus chooses to ask a question 307 times in the gospel accounts. Even if Jesus gave direct answers to as many as eight questions, that still means that Jesus is almost 40 times more likely to ask a question than he is to give a direct answer. You say, why is this important? Because if you want to kill community in anything, do all the talking. This is one of the things that can bother me about groups, that can bother me about things, is people always want to, like, we can always want to be helpful. (laughs) Or we, like, we want to be helpful by telling somebody what worked for us. Instead of maybe saying, can, can, here's the two, two terms, the two phrases that as that by God's grace, the past few years, I've had to learn to put into place because I don't know if you know me, I will talk. It's what pastors do, we talk. That I have had to learn. Can we put up those two, those two statements? Here, here is the first one. Help me understand. Help me understand. Help me understand. One of the ways you can help people is because here's the, here's the thing. That's why, that's why a group, a community, a conversation, you need discernment. Because discernment might be someone might need to kind of have, have you ever been in a situation where you have to like verbally vomit to get to the point of what's going on? And while you're sharing, you feel dumb. I did this in therapy, right, where I was sharing or I would do it in spiritual direction where I was there. I'd be sharing and I'd just be like word vomiting and I'd feel like an idiot. And then he would just continually ask me more questions. And then I would share, and then as I got stuff out, because when you go into an environment where, where, where you're talking, many times you, you, you've got so much going on, you're trying to connect all these different pieces. And, and so it's actually amazing when you can go into an environment and the facilitator and the people, they're asking more questions than they are trying to give you more answers. Because many times you know what the answer is. And good therapists, good, good facilitators, good group leaders don't just want to tell you the answer. They want to help you connect the dots to what the answer is that you already know. And, and so, like, being able to hold back on wanting to give an answer or hold back on wanting to be helpful and maybe add, help me understand. Or the second thing is, tell me more about that. I pray that our groups, your conversations with your wife, your husband, your conversations at your job, a, a line that we say more is, tell me more about that. Tell me more about that. Because as we provide safe places for people to talk instead of just giving answers, because like I said, Jesus was the model in, in this. Some of the questions Jesus asked, right? He was 40 more times more likely to ask a question. Because, and you know this, asking questions is a deeper probe than just giving an answer. Asking questions helps people think instead of just giving them the answer, right? Jesus said things like, what are you talking about as you were walking along? And, then, and this is after he rose from the dead. He was asking the, the people who were looking for him. He said, hey, what are you talking about as you walk along? Do you have anything here to eat? Do you love me? What are you, what are you looking for? But who do you say that I am? He could have told them, I am the, you know, it's like, but he said, no, but who do you say? Why do you not understand what I'm saying? Where is your faith? Jesus was an expert question asker. And what I would love to see be cultivated in our families, in our groups, is this environment where there are far more questions being asked than answers being given. That doesn't take away the validity and purpose of teaching. Because there's a time that Jesus was a master teacher, right? He taught regularly. But also, too, one of the ways you build community is we ask questions. Help me understand. Tell me more about that.
Jesus was vulnerable. He asked more questions. But third, we see Jesus saw the whole story. You know what's interesting is whenever you meet somebody, right? I met Wanda. Wanda, when did, when did we meet? Maybe a year and a half ago or something, two years ago? No? Okay, about a year ago. I'm getting old. I, I, don't, I don't remember a, a lot. But it's crazy. When you meet somebody, Wanda, I shouldn't ask this. How old are you? 54 years old. I met Wanda when she was 53. Whenever you meet somebody for the first time, especially like this, you have to know that I am meeting her at chapter 53. So I am starting to read her book at chapter 53. We have to be so careful that we don't start reading from chapter 35, 45, 21, 16, 15, and we make a judgment on this book by the chapter we're starting on. Instead of saying, I need to get to know from the introduction. And then chapter 1, chapter 2, chapter 3, like... Because if we don't do that, then we will prejudge and we will judge a book by the chapter we're starting at. Without realizing that this person is a whole story. Is a whole story. And it is so vital for us, if we're going to build a community that is safe and vibrant and Jesus-like, that we want to get to know people's stories. We want to get to know the, the introduction, the first chapter, the second chapter. We want to get to know not just where they work, why they, like, but we want to get to know how they got to, and, and, say, and one of the things Kristen and I love doing whenever you're a part of, our, or whenever you go through, go through life track, we try to do a community meeting with everybody, which we're, we're having so many of them, we're so backed up. I don't know if Kristen and I can actually do them all now. I think we're going to have, have to start... Um, giving them to our staff as well. <laughs> um, but it's one of our, Kristen and I's favorite things. We've probably done 50 of them. And one of the questions, one of the reasons we have this community meeting, because we want to get to know them, we always ask, tell us your story. And I can't tell you how amazing, refreshing it has been to see people that have been at our church for four or five years actually getting to hear from the introduction to where they're at. It gives so much power. It, makes, it brings so much more appreciation. You get to hear their upbringing. You get to hear why they believe what they do about God. You get to hear their, their experience in church. You get to hear, and here's the key word, context. You want to misinterpret anything, don't have context. You want to misinterpret people, don't get context. You want to misinterpret the Bible, don't get context. You want to misinterpret anything, don't seek context. The most ignorant people that I've ever met are those that are ignorant of context. They can't nuance anything. And so if we're going to build community, if we're going to be like Jesus, like what I love about Jesus is even with the woman that was at the well, he prophetically and by the spirit of God saw her chapters. And he was able to have grace on a sinner. He was, he was able not to just look at the five husbands she had had and the one that she was with wasn't her husband. He was able to ask her a question. Can you get me 
a drink, and that started a spiritual conversation that led to our being like, oh, you're a prophet. Oh, I worship over here at this church. I, got, I go to pastor. So one of my favorite things is to ask people when they tell me they go to church, and I say, oh, really, what church? And they don't remember. <laughs> this happens all the time. Yeah. They're like, oh, I go to that, um, Yeah. But, I mean, that's what essentially that woman at the well was doing. She was saying, yo, I'm spiritual. But, but, but Jesus was able to give grace because he had context. If we're going to be a grace-filled culture, we've got to have con- context. If we're going to be grace-filled in our groups, grace-filled in our community, because if I don't know your story, I won't know the variables that make you you. And one of the, one of the things that, that, that's, that's going to impact, and one of the things Jesus said, right, he, and, all of, and every, every person knows this verse, even if you don't know where it's at in the Bible. Do not judge, or you too will be judged. I say this multiple times. This is every, this is every pothead's favorite verse. Don't judge. For in the same way you judge others, potheads know two verses. God gave us every seed-bearing plant for our enjoyment. Somewhere in Genesis. And then Matthew 7. Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at a speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take a speck out of your eye when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the plank out of your own eye, then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. And I think what Jesus is saying here, Jesus isn't saying judge, because y'all, we all judge. We gotta judge if we're gonna go when there's a car coming. We all have to judge whether the friends that, that our kids have are good enough to let our kids go over their house. Like, there are judgments we have. There are judgments we make. Jesus isn't saying judge. What Jesus is saying here is to cast an eternal judgment on people. And I believe what Jesus is saying here is don't judge unless you have context. Don't eternally judge, but, but also, too, like, make sure in, in your context, in your judging, you remember you. Actually, your experience could actually be taking away how you view somebody. So you even have to, before you try, like, you have to do, why do I have an issue with, these, with this person? Why do I have an issue with this kind of person? Why do I have an issue, and I'm just going to use some terms here, with Democrats or Republicans? Why do I have issues with people that might live a, a different lifestyle? Why, what is it inside of me that would view them as being second class and wanting to project a judgment on them? Because if you don't have context, if, 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 you, don't, if, if you don't have context and you just have a concept, you will judge. But if we're going to be the people that God has called us to be in community, we have to be willing to seek the whole story. You know what that takes? That takes time. Some of y'all go to one group and you're gone. I tried it. Didn't like it. They judged me. How do you know that? Maybe you were projecting your judgment of yourself onto them. Like y'all, it's going to be something we're going to be persistent at. Y'all, if you've gone to a group here and it's been terrible, I'm sorry. Give it another shot. Give it another go. Community's worth it. It really is. All right. Lastly, Josie, please come up. We need to land this plane. We are going to receive communion together. But the last thing is this. Jesus was proactive with forgiveness. Y'all, if we have any chance of building any community here, 
we got to be people that forgive. Now, we forgive because we have been what? Forgiven. But there is a thing, forgiveness can happen in a moment, but trust can take time to develop. That's why I always tell people, forgiveness and trust are different. You can forgive somebody for something they've done, but it might take a little time and work to build the trust back up, right? There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that. One of the things that I love in Scripture is John chapter 2. It says Jesus did not entrust himself to the crowds because he knew what was in them. Did Jesus die for the crowds? Did Jesus forgive the crowds? Yes. Did he entrust himself to them in a relationship to be able to share vulnerable moments? No. So I think it's important that if, but if we're going to build any sort of community here, y'all, we have to be people that we forgive. Even, even this is what Jesus said on the cross. He said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. Some of the hardest things to do is to, re- is to have the emotional maturity to realize you are forgiving somebody something that they don't even know they're doing. It takes incredible self-awareness and emotional maturity to be able to look at somebody and see the brokenness and see the hurt and say, I forgive them. And unfortunately, they don't even know what they're doing. And many times, this is what happens in church, y'all, is that people don't realize why they are the way they are. People don't realize the contributing factors of why they can be backbiting and why they can be gossipy and why they can be insensitive and how they can sound a, a certain way. But it takes this hard work of community of knowing that we are bound together by the blood of Jesus Christ. And whether you like each other or you don't like each other, the fact is that one day we're gonna be in heaven together. So if we're gonna be in heaven together, why don't we try to build heaven here while we are together here? And then we get the opportunity to continue it when we get to heaven. Lord, would you build a culture of forgiveness in our church? Here's a recap quickly. Jesus was vulnerable. He asked more questions than he gave answers. Jesus saw the whole story. Jesus was proactive with forgiveness. Here is the response today. Would you stand up with me? I want to encourage you. Give community a chance. Give community a chance. Get get into a group. Our group leaders, they're going to be outside. We're going to send out a church-wide text giving you all of the groups that we have. And I want to encourage you. Take a step. Get into community. Let us be the place where you can practice one another's Let's be vulnerable like Jesus. Let's ask questions like Jesus. Let's gain some people's context and stories. And let's be proactive with forgiveness today. Was that good, church? Did, did you enjoy that? God is, God is good. Take your communion. We're going to receive it to, today. Scripture, scripture tells us before we receive communion together that we examine ourselves to see if we're in the faith. Scripture says that whenever we do this, we're doing it to remember Jesus. The ultimate example, the Savior, the one who lived a perfect life, died on the cross for our sins, rose and defeated our greatest enemy, Satan, sin and death. We are remembering him, the one that gave us the opportunity to be in community. And so today, if you would just pray with me.
bow your head and close your eyes. Jesus, we just thank you for today. Thank you for this time. Thank you for this moment we have. We thank you for your spirit, your word, your truth. We just ask today that as we receive communion together, God, that we would be reminded Lord, of what we're doing. That we're just not doing a religious act. We are doing, Jesus, what has been done for thousands of years that the very early church participated in. <laughs> that we get to commune in fellowship with Jesus today. So just really quick, with every head bowed, every eye closed, maybe today, scripture says to examine yourself. Maybe you've never made a decision to follow Jesus today. And I just want you right now, if that is you, or maybe you know you're, you're just off. You, you know you've, you've said it before, but maybe your faith has just been in your head, maybe not in your actions. Maybe you, maybe you just need to make a refreshing commitment to Jesus today. I just wanna invite you to do that right now. Just, just say this, Jesus, I allow you in. Jesus, I open the door and welcome you to be Lord, to be Savior, to forgive me of my sin. Scripture tells us that if we confess with our mouths and believe in our heart, we shall be saved. So if that is you today and you need to believe in your heart, just make a confession. Just say, Jesus, I believe in you. I believe in you. Jesus, thank you today for saving people. Thank you today, Holy Spirit, for zeroing in on hearts and minds and bringing people to you, Lord. Maybe today there's a sin, a burden you need to lay down before the Lord before we receive communion today. There's just a persistent struggle, a persistent sin that you want to relay down before the Lord. If that is you today, just say, I lay it down. I lay it down. If there is unforgiveness today, say, Jesus, I lay it down. If there's anger today, say, I lay it down. If there is bitterness today, say, Jesus, I lay it down. If there is sexual sin, say, Jesus, I lay it down. If there is hurt today that you are holding on to, say, Jesus, I lay it down. Thanks again for listening to this week's message. And if today's message helped or inspired you, feel free to share it with someone. If after today's message you have questions, need help, or just want somebody to talk to or process with, just shoot LifeHouse a text to 757-690-2401. For more information about LifeHouse, you can visit us at lifehouseonline.church. That's lifehouseonline.church.